Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. turning to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. We are continuing with our series and continuing in a lesson that we've been in now uh, for this the past, I guess, four weeks of Christian living. All right, Christian living. And so we're going to concentrate on that again uh, yet this morning. Uh, Today is November the 8th, and this day my wife and I have been married 23 years. 23 years ago today. We stood among a group of people and in the sight of God and took vows, amen, to love and cherish till death do us part. And I was thinking this morning as the songs of worship and such were going forth and she was over there worshiping, that was the first thing that ever drew me to her uh, in a winter warm-up service, recognizing that she was a young lady uh, and, and, you know, for sure young at that time, uh, barely a teenager, you know, a young lady that really didn't care about, you know, uh, trying to walk the dog in front of anybody as far as for, uh, you know, whatever it was, fashion or otherwise. But uh, she was there to worship the Lord. And that's the first thing that ever caught my eye. And it's something that she still practices yet today and has during our years of evangelism, pastor wherever we are. Amen. Has always been a worshiper. And so, uh, you know, I just, the Lord seeks that true worshipers worship in spirit true so i thought if he saw it it was a good thing for me to seek out and so amen and so i i love and appreciate her today celebrating 23 years in the house of the lord this isn't our only anniversary we've ever celebrated in church been a lot of years we've celebrated a lot of special days right in the house of god amen so we're glad to be here we're also glad to have with us this morning some special guests meredith spangler and her mother Sister Bird are with us today. And let me tell you something about these, these uh, people. They, they're traveling. They're actually, she's, Sister Spangler's traveling back home, I believe it is. Wisconsin, is that home? Traveling back home. These are people that listen to the First Apostolic Church podcast. I don't know them from Adam's house cat. But they've come to be in service with us today. They are listeners of the First Apostolic Church podcast. And so since they were in travel and thought maybe it might be a little bit of a route home, uh, they dropped by to be in service with us this morning. And we are so happy that they did. Amen. And appreciate you. Appreciate you. And, and, uh, you know, to give an ear to the word of the Lord when you do at the First Apostolic Church. And so we appreciate that. Amen. We're going to, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. If you're not only there, we're glad to have Jesse this morning uh, as well. My wife leaned over to me earlier. She says, it's kind of peculiar. She says, she's sitting right about where Sister Jessup would sit, uh, where she was sitting this morning. And so uh, that was kind of special. So we're, we're thankful for her today, too. She's no stranger around us or this church. Amen. The Bible says, wherefore, all right, wherefore, which is pointing back to a reason that we'll look at here in just a little bit wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the lord and touch not the unclean thing and i will receive you 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Again, we're talking about Christian living. Uh, much of this that we are talking about is uh, holiness of, of character inside and outside. We talked a lot about it for the past three weeks. We're continuing talking about uh, separation. All right. Our God is holy, the Bible says, and because he is, we ought to be then as his people. I'm going to pray today that the Lord would help us in the next little while as we look at the subject matter. Father, I need you today. God, touch our hearts and minds afresh. We need a fresh anointing of your spirit, Lord. God, upon both hearer, Lord, and speaker. God, your word, Lord, is already anointed. God, it is the holy word of God. I pray, Jesus, help it to find a place, Lord, of security in our lives. Help it, Lord Jesus, to help us lead our lives and direct our lives. And we'll not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. More than a hundred times, more than a hundred times throughout the Old Testament, uh, the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, whichever you wish to call it. Uh, Moses had the tabernacle in the wilderness. Solomon had the temple that he was uh, very instrumental in, in planning and helped build and superintending. But more than a hundred times in the Old Testament scripture, the temple or the tabernacle is referred to as the sanctuary of God. As a matter of fact, the Lord spoke to the children of Israel before there was such a tabernacle or uh, later even a temple. He spoke to them in Exodus 25 and verse number 8. And he said, let them make me a sanctuary. He's referring to that tabernacle. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And what's interesting is that the word sanctuary itself means a, a consecrated or set apart place. It means a reserved place for exclusive and a limited purpose. Uh, it denotes even separation and disconnection from common things or ordinary places. And yet when we understand this, even in the real world, sanctuaries, whenever people attach the word sanctuary to things, if you've ever been to a zoo or uh, been maybe to a more rural area somewhere, I don't remember where we were years ago, but we went to this uh, tiger sanctuary and they had all kinds of tigers, white tigers, all kinds of different sizes of tigers. And it was a sanctuary or you've ever been to an animal sanctuary or a bird sanctuary, then all of those creatures, whatever they, they may be, are are separated from the outside world they're separated from their uh, what may be their normal environment uh, for a special purpose and they're reserved for a special purpose and so whenever the old testament scripture used the word sanctuary it likewise had the connotation of that being set aside for a special purpose which we know the tabernacle and the temple was it was set aside for the purpose of that interaction with their holy god but as we transition into the New Testament scriptures, we understand that as spirit-filled Christians, that these bodies, Paul told the writers in Corinthians, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In other words, we now are the sanctuary of God. 
I know we call this building, you know, sheetrock and carp and all that. This is the sanctuary. But in essence, even if this didn't exist, God still has a sanctuary. And it's found in the lives of his people that are born again of the water and of the spirit. But with that being the case, if sanctuary is that set aside place, that consecrated place, that reserved, disconnected from common things and ordinary places, and now I have become that sanctuary of God, then me as an individual, as a sanctuary of God, there is a, a, a my life then that must be separated, set apart for the use primarily for the master. Now, we, we sometimes can get very nervous with the word separation. We get separation anxiety. <laughs> in a different way but we get nervous with with the idea of separation but the new testament scripture uh, tells us and old testament for that matter recommends to us through the word of the lord even commands us that we are to be separated from the world for the purpose of being separated unto god too many times we focus on what god desires for us to be separated from rather than balancing that seesaw with what he wants us separated unto. Just as crucial, just as important. Second Corinthians chapter 6, uh, Brother Zach in verse number 14, and I'm going to do just a little skipping in here, not much. I'm going to start with, the Bible says, what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? He goes through a list there. What communion have light with darkness? Verse 16, a little further there down says, for ye are, everybody says are. So he's speaking to the church at Corinth. Their present state, they are the temple of the living God. As God hath said. So he goes back to when God spoke about what would be. He said, God said in the past, I will dwell in them. That's what I will do. And I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And there's our verse that we started with today. Wherefore, and so it points back to all of that. Wherefore, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate in other words since God spoke into your lives how he would walk in you and how he would dwell in you and how he would be your God and you would be his people upon that foundation upon that basis upon that premise then come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and he says I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty having therefore these promises this is this is a, a chapter 7 and verse number 1 dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God and so since God said I will dwell and you I will be your people he's your God he says come out from them be separate what's he saying he's saying you're going to be my sanctuary you're going to be my sanctuary and so you're going to be set apart you're going to be uh saved for a particular service and as a result of that he says I'll come in you yes we have seen along the journey the first cleansing uh that happens in our life when we come to the Lord he makes us holy by his spirit he makes us holy by his power but then we have a responsibility to keep ourselves clean to keep ourselves holy that is our response amen perfecting holiness in the fear of God know what he says he says come out from among them 
And that them is referring back to the list he's talking about, giving, uh, wanting us to give some consideration. What, what does the righteous have to do with the unrighteous? The light with the dark, right? Uh, the, 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 the you with idols, so on and so forth. And so he says, come out from them. The them he is referring to, come out from the unrighteousness. That's the them. Come out from the darkness. Come out from the unbelievers. Come out from Belial, which is wickedness. Come out from idols and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Come. Come unto me, separate yourself from that, but you're separating yourself unto me. Amen. And so I need that. I, I've oftentimes said uh, as a pastor and just minister for that matter, sometimes our difficulty with separation is separating from and never totally separating to. Because we separate from, if we don't totally separate unto the Lord, we'll find ourselves going back to what we separated from. So we need to totally, you know, this is the whole stock and barrel, you know, type of game. Give everything unto the Lord. And so throughout history, God's people, even Israel, the nation of Israel, had been a separated people. They had separated from the world and separated unto the Lord. Whenever we look at the very root, the very origin uh, of the children of Israel, the Jews for that matter, Abraham being the father of the Jews, he, whenever God first spoke to him in Ur of Chaldees, what was the request that the Lord had for him? He says, get ye out of your country and from your kindred, right? What, what's he asking of him? Separation. He's asking of him separation. Uh, Abraham's daddy, Tira, was an was a idol worshiper. He's saying, separate yourself from that. He says, and I have a land. I have a place for you. So I'm not just asking you to get from that, but I have somewhere a separated unto place that I, I, I am going to take you. Not only that, whenever we see that the children of Israel, you know, Jacob, the Bible says, goes down into Egypt. There's famine, right, in the land. He and his family go down into Egypt. But they don't just go in Egypt to participate and partake of Egypt. The Bible tells us plainly, Old Testament Scripture, that they were found within Egypt in the land of Goshen. And so what it is, is that they were in Egypt, but they were not of Egypt. They had a space, right? They had a space that was honed out, if you will, uh, sanctified, that was, was not just the ordinary Egypt place, because in the confines of Goshen, they were still revering, amen, their God to the best of their ability. They still had their herds and their flocks, which were abomination to the Egyptians, but they could at Goshen. There was a separation that took place there. Also, note this, in Ezra chapter number 6 and verse 21, Brother Zach today, and I think I I have it. I saved it here on my iPad as well. Uh, the Bible says, and the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity. So this is a period of time. Uh, the children of Israel have been taken to the Babylonian captivity. They, some, a group of them are coming back. And the Bible says those that came out of captivity, all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land. What, for what purpose? To seek the Lord God of Israel and did eat. Again, they separated from the heathen of the land. They separated from those that they had been captives of for 70 years for the purpose that they could seek the Lord. So there's a separatedness that happens yet again. Go a little further, though, just to show you that not everybody 
amen, does the separating very well. In Ezra chapter number 9, same book in verse number 1, now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites, there is a group of them that have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations. And it begins to list then several of the people, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites. He's saying some of these people didn't separate themselves from the others. And as a result, look, this is as a result in many regards, as a result of not separating, they are participating. As they're not separating, they are participating. They are not seeking the Lord. No, they are still seeking the things that they have been in the depths of. So it is important to separate from and separate unto. The Bible states in Leviticus, and as always on Sunday mornings here, it seems we got a lot of scripture. All right, we're Bible believers. Leviticus chapter number 20 and verse 26. And ye shall be holy unto me, the Lord says. For I, the Lord, am holy and have severed or separated you from other people that ye should be mine. I know this is hard for our minds to wrap around, but the scripture says that our God is a jealous God. And this is jealous in a positive way. In other words, what is his, he wants to be his. Amen. He is jealous with a godly jealousy. He does not want to share us with anybody else. He wants us to be 100% faithful unto him. And when we're not, when the nation of Israel wasn't, that's whenever she was described and labeled as a, an adulterer or a whorish woman because she sought out others besides the Lord that she had pledged herself unto and he says, so you're mine, and I have severed you and separated you for the purpose of being mine. He even says in verse 24 of that same chapter of Leviticus, he says, I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from the other people. He says once again, think with me very easily here for a moment, all of those that are among us today, you know, I'm celebrating 23 years here this morning. And so I can say quite confidently today, Brother Mason, I do not want my wife going back with anybody else's husband. For that matter, I don't want her to go back with any other single man. That would kind of put a little spur in my saddle. (laughs) 23 years ago, we pledged that we were one another's. And when I did that, I separated from every other woman on this planet. Amen. And for what purpose? To be hers. And there is something, you know, along the journey in the way, amen, in our lives that is holy and pure that took place. That gave birth to children. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there is a separated from to be separated un. Two, but we understand this, right? As fleshly beings, we live in this world. We live in this world. Though the Bible oftentimes calls us just strangers and pilgrims, right? Strangers and pilgrims in this world below. And so we, 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 although we are in the world, we can still yet be separated from the world. 
Uh, we'll see a little later in Jesus' high priestly prayer of John 17. He even prayed for those. He said, don't take them out of the world. That was Jesus' prayer. He said, don't take them out of the world. We're like, Lord, you know, that sounds like a half bad idea. We might be more successful. Our success rate might be better if you take us out of the world. He said, no, don't take them out of the world. He says, but just keep them from the evil. What is that? That's being separated in the world. Huh? It's kind of like a few weeks ago, if our kids were out, they'd remember uh, whenever we had the oil and the water that was kind of mixed here on a Wednesday night. You remember it went down in there and they were separate. They were separate, but they weren't isolated. Because there's a difference between separation and isolation. Isolation, totally quarantined, not even around, not touched, don't do anything. But separation, you've seen the oil and the water right next to each other, but there was a definitive line. There, there was a definitive line. Even so much whenever the, the water or the oil was poured in the water or vice versa, you've seen it plunge down one substance inside the other, but you still seen the line where the other substance even delved into the other. There was a separation. Amen. And so we're in this world. Oh, Brother McGee, i got to be separate. I can't work a job. I can't work a job. You know, we got other people around here, and i got to live 24-7, you know, at the church, and I'm going to pitch a tent outside in the front line. No, no, you can't do that. You're in the world, but you still can be separated. You can still be distinct. You can still be set aside and reserved for his purpose and his plan. Another reason why the Lord didn't want to take it out of the world, because you'll never affect the world. Being isolated. All right? Being isolated. Amen. And so, John 15 and verse 19. If ye were of the world, if that was your origin, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you, Christ says, out of the world, Therefore, the world hateth you. And I know that's a strong world word. He says, I brought you out. Here's the fact of the matter. And, and it doesn't matter what dynamic of life, life that you're really in, in reality. But because we are not of the world, yes, you're going to get maybe some strange looks and maybe you'll even get some attitudes at times. But you got to allow yourself to be known for who you are in Christ, that can break down walls. The Bible even says in the Old Testament that Moses even found some favor among the Egyptians for the little time he was there, and he was calling God's people out to go worship, to separate, right? But over a period of time of him being there and the different plagues that come, he had even found some favor among the Egyptians. How? Because he was there. But he was not of, and it broke down any type of preconceived notions or ideas they had about, oh, Moses, amen, because he lived his life still for the Lord among them. He wasn't compromising that, but he could at the same time love them. And look, 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 look here, if you will, of the impact, because whenever they left Egypt, it wasn't just Israel that went. The Bible says there's a mixed multitude that went. That went with them. Amen. And so there is that influence that has taken place. The Bible says in James 4 and 4, you know, and I'm jumping in kind of the middle of it here. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You know, 
I could tell you maybe some Greek words in that, but I don't think it's necessary. Amen. Friendship with the world. Amen. And that, that, that friendship is kinship by means, you know, holding the same desires that they have. All right. Is, is being an enemy to the Lord. Again, separate from and separate unto. If you'll look at 1 Timothy chapter number 6 with me this morning, and, and Brother Zach, I don't know if I included verse 4, but if you can throw verse 4 up there for me so we can get a little better feeling for the list here. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 4, he is proud knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh Envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings. Verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Look at the admonition. From such, withdraw thyself. Right? Separate yourself from the strife and the envy and the railings and the evil surmisings. Separate yourself. Now, when you get down to verse number 11, but thou, O man of God... Flee these things, other things were mentioned even after verse number verse number five, and follow after. So see, we again have the flee from, right? The withdraw thyself, but now the admonition, follow after. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, so on and so forth. And so again, when we talk about separation, there are two sides to this coin. Separating from and separating un. Two, amen? The leave and the cleave principle of Adam and Eve. Amen. That's almost starting to do poetry there. Amen. In Genesis chapter number one, they left mother and father so that they could cleave unto each other. The Bible says in Exodus 11 and verse number seven that the Lord, I'm skipping one, Brother Zach, that the Lord put a difference but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. He says the Lord puts that difference. The Lord puts a difference between Egypt and Israel. And so again, amen, when we become his he places, he stamps his image upon our lives. Amen. He stamps his image upon our lives to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, the old song used to say. All I really want is to be like him. And so whenever the rapture day takes place someday, and we all will stand before the Lord, it, will he see himself in us? Amen. Will he see himself in us? Us, because there is another greater portion of our world and society that's trying to cast a mode and shape us in another image, right? It's trying to shape us into another image, and there are pressures every day. Work, school, business, uh, extracurricular activities, sometimes they're deliberate, sometimes they're more subtle, right? That's trying to uh, mold us into the image of the world that's around us. The Bible said in Romans 2 and verse number 2, and be not, everybody say, conformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, right, and the acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed. The word conform in the Greek means this. Be not fashioned alike the world. Be, do not follow the same pattern as the world. Do not fashion one's self according to the world. 
So that, that is the admonition of the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome. So he says, don't fashion yourself. Don't, don't liken yourself to the world. He says, but be transformed. And the word transform in the Greek means this, to transform or to change. He says, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. I like this one, the, the meaning of the Greek. He says, be made over. I like that. Be made over by the renewing of your mind. And so we got to decide, we got to decide whether we're going to be conformed or we're going to be transformed. Woo! We, hallelujah. We got to decide whether we're going to mimic or pattern after something or if we're going to be made new in something else. Conformed or transformed. Fashioned like my culture, fashioned like the world around me, taking the same pattern as society, as the world, or be transformed into the image of God, which in the Greek is almost literally our English word metamorphosis. We're going to go through a change. We're, woo! We might, we might start out as in a cocoon, but we're going to end up being a butterfly. If you understand what I'm saying, there's going to be a metamorphosis. We're not going to look the same. Oh, God. Right? Because real metamorphosis of anything it changes the way that it appears. So we got to be transformed. We, we back, back now, weeks ago now, we, on Wednesday nights, we used to be in another series, uh, the book of Peter, first or second Peter, and you'll remember that the Bible talked about how we receive power. And I have it up there, brother Zach. I, I just can't get by. It's not showing scripture. Second Peter chapter number one, verses three and four. The Bible talks about how we have been, been uh, inspired and infilled by the spirit of God that we might be partakers of his divine nature. Some of you will remember that phrase, that we would be partakers of his divine nature. And it goes on in verse four and tells us then by that divine power that we have received, God then has given us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness and so that this is this is not paul mcgee looking in my own little tool bag trying to figure out how can i be separated and holy into god but whenever i received his divine nature and i was filled with that divine power he gave me everything i needed in my toolbox to live godly righteously separated amen unto him amen so we separate ourselves we separate again he makes us clean we got to keep the cleanliness. And with that, we even have command in the book of Acts, Acts 2 and 4. It tells us, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, what has happened leading up to verse number 40 of Acts 2? The day of Pentecost. The Spirit of the Lord's come down. They all have received the Holy Ghost there in the upper room. They begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. They have followed, if you will, uh, the prescription of Peter to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they got this Spirit, and even now that they've had this Spirit, the admonition is, save yourselves. You've been separated by His Spirit. You've been dued with power on high by His Spirit. He says, but you got to, you got to keep you got to keep, huh? separate yourselves from this untoward, which means warped and perverse generation. Amen. Now here, separation. There is a, a misconception today that if you participate as a Christian in the church, then you're in bondage, but if you're in the world, you're free. 
This is bondage. That's freedom. But the fact of the matter is, and, and you serve a master, whether you're in the world or in the church. Whether you're in the world or in the church, you are a servant. You're a servant. And so, then Brother McGee, then what's the big difference? It's about who you are servant unto. Right? It's about who you are servant unto. Not only that, the Old Testament scripture talks about servants. And after they served so long that the master could grant them the freedom. But if that servant had fell in love with his master, that he could choose that all would be born through his ear. And that he would then continue to serve his master even after he was released. Now, though, the difference is this. He's not serving his master out of obligation. He's serving his master out of love. Whew. So your servant, world or church, your servant. But there is a dynamic difference about who your master is in the world compared to who your master is in the church. And here's the thing concerning the church. I'm in love with my master. So when you fall in love with the one that you're serving, it doesn't feel like service. It's kind of like the person that hates going to work every day. They hate their job. But people that love what they do, it just don't even feel like work. So... So there, there, there is a difference. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But know what the Bible says in Romans 6 and verse number 16. It says, know ye not, and we've looked at these, these verses over the past three weeks, but some would just kind of pick a little deeper here and there at different weeks. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, to whom you yield yourself servants to obey. So what we got here, again, we're servants nonetheless, all right? But we have a whom, all right, that can differ. But here's another part of the whole dynamic. There is our will of yielding that's involved. Hmm. Neither master in many regards or lording anything over you without you surrendering to them. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether... Here's the two of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, the apostle says to the church at Rome, that ye were, ye were, past tense, the servants of sin. But ye, a little further down in the verse, became the servants of righteousness. Amen. And so when we become servants of righteousness, we devote, we yield ourselves, amen, to that righteousness and the desires of that righteous God. And so whenever he gives things like he did in Matthew and the Gospels and told the disciples, if any man uh, would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hey, I've you're the master. I'm in love with you. No problemo. Amen. Separating ourselves then as he has as commands in, in the epistles about separating ourselves from the world. I have no problem with that. He's my master. I've yielded myself to him and, and, and I love him. Amen. Whenever he says, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is right. 
Huh? And we've talked about this before. Whenever we talk about the yoke, he said, take my yoke upon you. Yokes were tailor-made in that day. You didn't just go out and buy a yoke with one size fits all. They were tailor-made. Someone would come and they would, they would position that yoke on whatever animal it was and they would shave and they would sand down places so it to fit more appropriately to the muscle mass and the structure of the top of the shoulders of that animal, right? And so it would fit right. But Christ is saying, you take my yoke. Well, these things are custom made. His yoke's not going to fit on me properly to begin with. Do you know what that does? That yoke starts rubbing me in places where I'm not like him. I take his yoke upon me. It kind of rubbing over here a little bit. What's that saying? That's saying I'm not like him there. But here's the fact of the matter. No one's coming back around to change the yoke. If it's going to get more comfortable, then the change is on this side of the fence. I take his yoke upon me, for his yoke is easy, he said, and his burden is light. His burden is light. And so we do, we do all these things as servants unto the Lord. And there is perhaps no higher calling, amen, as being an obedient servant unto the Lord. And so some even have mistakenly some have mistakenly interpreted, like in the book of Galatians, talking about how we are free in Christ, to uh, be interpreted or assumed then that that means that we have no obligation, we have no responsibilities, we have no boundaries, we have no restrictions, no regulations, no self-control in the Lord. I'm free in Christ. I can just live life. He's made me free. He paid the price. Thank you. I can do whatever I want to do. We have greatly, greatly misconstrued Scripture if that is the case. Because listen to me. Now, this, I believe, would be true, church or world. All right? As a matter of fact, right now with election, everything going on, you're thinking about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and everything under the book, maybe going back and reading over some things. Nonetheless, true freedom is with restraint. We, we, we are, you know, the United States of America, and we have some of the most greatest still yet among all countries still yet today, some of the most greatest privileges and freedoms in the world. But those freedoms are only powerful because we have other laws. We have other laws that kind of keep that freedom intact. All right? For instance... Freedom comes with restraint. Adam and Eve, I'm going to set you in the east in the garden. You may eat of every tree. Freedom. Except. The tree of knowledge of good. And eat. Well, Brother McGee, that, they didn't really have true freedom. Then if they, weren't, if they weren't allowed to have that one tree. True freedom comes with restraints. Amen. Because what happens then the moment that... Eve looks at the tree, desires it, partakes of it, gives to their husband, and they both do eat. Before, they were naked and not ashamed. Afterward, they were ashamed. They transgressed the command of God, right? All right? And now what happens? Both Adam and Eve find themselves not in the garden where every tree is, but on the outside of the garden, and there's an angel with a flaming sword guarding the garden. So if what you thought then wasn't freedom, what do you think now is? 
Sin had separated them from every tree of the garden. So I ask you, when did they have more freedom? All they had was a one exception. Amen. Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. Now, looking at that one exception, someone might say, well, that's a bunch of bondage. How much bondage is it if you take it and it excludes you from all the other trees? Huh? Amen. No, 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 no. What we really understand is those things that sometimes we see as bondage or restraints are actually protection. The do not eat was protecting them from not having access to all of the other trees. So I say, man, it was protection for them. And for that matter, even the angel of the Lord with the flaming sword at the entrance into the garden, again, someone might think, well, that's no good. Again, was protection. Because Adam and Eve in a sinful state, if they then partook of the tree of life after that matter, amen, the, the, the common uh, deducing and following of the, the, the string of thought is if they would have been in a constant state, eternal state of sin with no hope for redemption. It was all protection. What they or others may have been seen as restriction was protection. Amen. And so he was safeguarding some things for their life. So even in the scripture, we have freedom in Christ. Yes, but he still has laws and ordinances and commandments and stuff and desires that he wishes for us to follow. Amen. Being his servant. Amen. And those things, again, it's according to how you're living your life, whether you're going to think of it as a restriction. He's keeping me from doing something or he's guarding from something happening. Amen. <laughs> so in the New Testament, keep track of time here. In the New Testament, whenever you read about things that's referring to bondage, you need to look what that's really referring to. Because in the epistles, whenever it talks about bondage, there are, there are a few primary things that it is typically referring to. For instance, it refers to the old ceremonial law. All right. Because there are many portions of the ceremonial law that no longer had any bearing on the New Testament church. All right. Then I'm not talking about moral law. I'm not talking about thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit it. I'm talking about ceremonial law. Some of the, some of the practices and things of, uh, of offerings and, and different things that, that were purely ceremonial. Some of that was bondage. The bondage of sin, of course, is another thing that it is speaking to us about. The bondage of unrighteousness and corruption. The bondage of the spirit of fear and things of that nature. It never in the New Testament scripture, bondage is never, never referring to the being obedient to the commands of the epistles or, or the desires of the Lord. That is never referred to as bondage in the New Testament scripture. Amen. And so our Christian, let me say it like this quite plainly, our Christian lifestyle can never be referred to as bondage. I said again, and I'm just making reference, you can look it up for yourself, 2 Corinthians 11 too. The apostle Paul, speaking to the church, he says, I've espoused you to one husband huh I've espoused you to one husband I don't feel like I'm in bondage being a spouse to my wife 
I do not. Amen. Did not feel a spouse in bondage at all. Because, again, I love and have decided to love, amen, her for the rest of my days. And so our Christian lifestyle is not bondage. Note Romans 7 and verse number 6, and I'm going to try to run to a close here. But Romans 7 and verse number 6, Brother Mason will continue next week. Amen. So, but now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. See, brother, we're delivered, bless God. We're delivered from the law. We're delivered from the letter. Well, here's the fact of the matter of much of Old Testament law by itself. Okay, because that's all they had then, right? All they had was law. All they had was the letter of the law. That's all they had. They didn't have the introduction of the spirit of the Lord living inside them to New Testament scripture. All they had was the law. Here's, though, the fallacy of the law by itself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, for the letter or the law, it killeth. But the spirit giveth life. The fallacy of the law all by itself was the law. And, and guys, you've heard me preach and teach this stuff probably a gazillion times. The law says, oh, you messed up. The law is the standard. I didn't do right. I did right. Oh, yay. Did wrong. Oh. But what the law could not do is correct the wrong. So the law by itself, it leaves you in your condemnation. The law by itself leaves you in your sin. He said, but the spirit brings life. See, the law could tell you what was wrong, but the law couldn't make it right. But the spirit, the law with the spirit, the law can still tell you what's wrong. But the Spirit can make right the wrong. And so if you just live totally in the Old Testament mentality, you're without hope, you're without God, you're a sinner, you're condemned, there's no way. But when you step across the divide into the New Testament, it's not just law by itself now, it's Spirit. And so now I see I'm wrong, but I have an advocate with the Father. Now I see it's incorrect, but I can get my steps ordered in His Word. His Spirit makes alive. All the law can do is kill you. But let me tell you, after it kills you, you need a spirit that's going to be able to resurrect you. Amen. So the law in and of itself, by itself. The Bible says in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster with this purpose to bring us to Christ. Right? Because the law is going to leave you in your mess and just show you that you got a mess that you're in. And what that does then is this. I need an answer. This is bad. I'm in a situation. I'm not where I need to be. We're looking to the law. And the law's saying, Jesus. <laughs> it's pointing to Christ. It's our schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I'll try to come to a close. So I've been set free by the power of God, been set free by Christ, and yet I am still a servant unto him. I'm a servant. I'm obedient unto him. I'm obedient unto righteousness. Amen. We're made free from our old master. All right. And we become a servant of our new master. We're still a servant. The, our masters have changed. The desires of each master, of course, changes. 
between that of the world and that of the church. And so my Christian living then for this morning's concept, Brother Mason will look at this more later, are some of those facets of separating from and separating unto God. I cannot urge you enough about being separated unto the Lord because you will never truly be able to separate from until you properly separate unto. The power to separate from is found in the separating unto. Amen. And so that is vitally important in our Christian living. I want to live the way he wants me to live. Amen. I want to live. I want his yoke to kind of rub. Listen, there's still places that the yoke is rubbing on me. There's still some places that the yoke is rubbing on me. And it gets uncomfortable and there's days it hurts and it blisters up. Uh Uh-huh. And so I can either complain about it or do something about it. Amen. And so I want to I want to take his yoke upon me. Let's let's pray into the Lord this morning right now. God, I pray, Lord, over each and every individual here today. I pray, oh, God, let your word find, Lord, its place, Lord, in our lives. Help us, God, not to be hearers only, but doers also of the word of God. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Help it, Lord, direct us and guide us. I pray, oh, Lord, today, help us, Jesus, Lord, to be holy for you are holy. God, that we are set upside. We are that royal priesthood. We're that peculiar people, Lord, that you have set aside, Lord, for your use and your purpose. We're that special treasure, even as Israel was of old. I pray, oh God, today we, Lord, devote ourselves and our lives and our attention to you. We know, God, that you do all these things, Lord, for our good, for our benefit. God, what sometimes may, Lord, rub us and we think, Lord, is restriction is actually, Lord Jesus, it is protection and we thank you, Lord, for it. Help us, God, I pray, Lord, to live our lives, God, after the divine nature that we have received from you. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.